And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. You see this? A family watching baseball on DirecTV with no satellite dish in sight. Let's heckle them. You call that changing the channel? Choke up on the remote, buddy. I hope getting all these games on DirecTV makes up for your mother not pre-chewing your sunflower seeds. DirecTV has the most MLB games. Visit DirecTV.com. Claim based on total games offered on national and regional sports networks with choice package or higher. Availability of RSNs varies by zip code and package. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. Culture is the culture. It's four to six A to B, competitive excellence, and the brotherhood. The plan to win uh, has never changed. So the culture here and the plan to win is always going to be here at Ohio State. Welcome back to 46 with AMB, your high state podcast brought to you by The Athletic. This is Bill Landis, joined by Ari Wasserman, who I'm talking to for the first time today. We definitely didn't just record a full episode of Stars Matter immediately before this. Gotta love the, the cross promotion. If you love 46 with AMB, please go listen to Stars Matter, where we talked a lot about Ohio State, and we're trying not to repeat ourselves. So it'll be like two Ohio State episodes in the same week. Aren't you lucky? That's true. I, I do think um, there's some crossover there. And I, I actually, earlier this week, I asked people for questions. Um, and then Ohio State like scheduled a Gene Smith press conference that I think we should talk about. So I don't think we're going to get to a ton of questions in this episode. But there were a few about what you said on last week's episode regarding Ohio State's 2023 recruiting strategy. And we talked about that on Stars Matter. So Did you think it was a response to my theory or was it just coincidental? No, no. People were asking about it like specifically. Um, so if you're one of those people who heard that last week on Stars Matter and want to hear more about it, um, go find it in the Andy Staple Show and Friends. Is that what it's called? Uh Feed. I think I'm a friend. Feed. Yeah, it's in there. Because you can't just search Stars Matter, right? You have to search Andy Staples. I just think, just go to Andy Staples. Make it easy on yourself. You can also just find uh, it. Ari, Ari, Ari will tweet the link out on Thursday, and I'll, and I'll retweet it as well because my uh, my beautiful voice is on there. So um, we won't get in. His beautiful voice that my friends find soothing and listen to before bed. I, li- I wish I could. Maybe I'll start listening to myself. I've been having trouble sleeping lately. Maybe I'll listen to myself. Try really? To sleep. Yeah. I got a few things you could do before bed. That will help. <laughs> You go blind. Want to hear him? Blind doing that. Um. <laughs> it's not what I was thinking, but yes, that's an option. <laughs> okay. 
anyway, uh, <laughs> welcome to four to six with A and B, your Ohio State podcast, brought to you by the Athletic. Yeah, yeah, that all that. Um, I will try to grab a question or two, uh, maybe some more of the, the the more fun ones at the end of, of, of this episode. We appreciate you guys sending those in. You can always tweet them at us or send them to the email. 4to6ab at gmail.com. Uh, but Gene Smith already had a press conference on Wednesday. Um, the first time in a while that he's done that. Um, I think we've had him on Zoom a couple times over the last year or two. But it was him in the team room at the Woody Hayes Athletic Center um, just talking to us about like a wide range of, of topics, um, some of which found their way on the Twitter and, and kind of went nuts a little bit. Um, one it was funny like there was one that I think like got a lot of like national reaction about like the alliance and we could talk about that in a second but one that I think maybe irked people a little more locally was the idea that uh, Gene Smith when asked about playoff expansion said that if it ever got to the point where you know teams could host early round playoff games that he would at least want the option to play a home playoff game for Ohio State off campus in Indianapolis in a climate-controlled environment rather than have that game played in whatever the elements may be um, in Ohio Stadium, which I was like kind of shocked to hear. What what you hear that and you think what? I thought it made no sense when I saw it. I don't I was like it's not even if it's a home game then why would you be in a different state? He said, like, specifically, like, well, like, if I had CJ, I wouldn't want CJ playing in a climate-controlled environment. And it's like, I get that. But, like, isn't the whole thing with this is, like, finally make some teams from, from the South, like, come up and play in northern states in the elements when, when it's crushed? It also time? was the worst possible time to say that because Ohio State fans are pissed that they lost to Michigan because of the weather. Yeah, there's a... And, like, obviously Ohio State has a tremendous advantage over less talented teams in a controlled environment where they can just be fast and throw the ball around without any disturbance. For sure. Like, that's real. But, like, also, if you're playing in the playoff, Alabama's also really good in a dome. I mean, like, Alabama's good everywhere. I guess I guess it wouldn't be, like, Alabama and Ohio State would be playing each other that, that early in the playoff. Doesn't it get pretty cold in Georgia and Al- in Alabama, too? It's not like... I mean, I mean, I know it's not as bad, but, like... It's not like Columbus, Ohio is is northern Milwaukee. Yeah, it's you know not like I mean? we're not like, like, like Green Bay. Yeah, <laughs> it's yeah, not, it's, yeah. They're not they're not playing in Buffalo. I mean, it's it's cold, but like it doesn't really snow all that much in Columbus in comparison to other. Like even even Cleveland is like infinitely. Worse. Yeah, we are what the the snow belt, whatever that is. Like we're below it in Columbus, so like it snows here, but it's not. You're right on line with the snack belt. That's though. right. I'm well, I'm never too far from the snack belt. Um, I. Uh, I like yeah. I heard that it didn't make any sense to me either. Like I don't, and maybe like I don't know. Gene Smith, I think, was just like kind of rolling a little bit and like spitball. Like I don't know if it's like hard and fast. Like if we ever get the host of playoff game, we're not playing in an Ohio Stadium. And he backtracked a little bit and said like I just want it as an option, not only for Ohio State but like every team. I think the Big Ten in general would like the option to move it off campus if like I don't know they think they're going to the get a Easter. Thing that people love about the idea of the expanded playoff is having a home game. I just don't. I don't even really get the notion of entertaining the idea of like depriving your fan base and your team of hosting a playoff game. Who like, Well, it's all because people it's all because it's an easy drive, I guess, and people show up to that stadium all the time as it is. But people but, are going like know. what are you what do you it can't be that you're worried about people not coming to the game because they're going to come to the game. You're just worried about like a the elements having an adverse impact on your own team your ability to advance the national title no game? no i understand like what's at stake but no no I'm, I'm 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 joining you in the discussion i don't know what the problem is it's just very strange like i don't 
Yeah. And and like the idea of it it almost feels like he wasn't even being serious. <laughs> it would be I will say this, if you were trying to think of the best possible way to troll a segment of the fan base who thinks Ohio State's soft, that's the best way to do it. <laughs> soft. It's <laughs> to say Ohio we're not going to play when it's cold. Until, is Ohio State soft until proven otherwise? Yeah, I think that's fair. I think you got you got to earn that back. They'll talk about it, be about they're, it, that kind of thing. They're soft. Yeah, yeah I think you got to earn that back for sure. Um, and they play. I also like without with the risk of sounding like a complete homer. I think Ohio State would have kicked Michigan's ass in a dome. I don't. I don't know. Maybe not kick their ass. I think they would have probably won. I don't think the weather had a huge impact on that game. I think the, I think the weather had an impact enough on the game. Where it turned it into the exact type of game where Michigan could excel at was, yeah. Like but if it was a like, track it's meet. It's not like CJ Stroud was struggling to throw the ball. Yeah, no, I know, I know. I get, and maybe I'm wrong. I mean, like, would have would Chris Olave ran past more people if they were playing on a turf field instead of or playing on a field that wasn't covered with snow? Maybe I don't know. I think Ohio State's defense would have got punched in the mouth repeatedly, no matter where they played. Yeah. They could have played that game in. You know, I, I guess if you, you don't want to make here's the thing too like that doesn't even freaking matter because they lost so like whatever it doesn't even matter like what it would have what would have happened if they would have played elsewhere it's just like the, the idea of like get, of like the Big Ten team right and like whatever if you're you're an Ohio State yeah. fan so you're listening to this so you view Ohio State that way and I, I view Ohio State that way too it's like the idea of like the Big Ten team be like you know what too cold man we're gonna go play indoors what also in the most <laughs> mild Big Ten city is there a more mild Big Ten city like weather wise uh, no, I mean, like, if, if you're talking, like, north-south, like, Columbus is pretty far south compared to a nice chunk of the Big Ten. It's not like Chicago, I think. Like, different. winter storms in Chicago and Wisconsin and Penn State and Maryland and Rutgers are probably way worse than they are in Columbus, right? Maryland and Rutgers, yeah, because you run the risk of a, of a nor'easter. Penn State, Michigan, Penn Michigan in the State are more north. Yeah. What, the only one that's comparable might be Bloomington? Bloomington, West Lafayette. Purdue, yeah. Um, Iowa City, I don't know. I've been to Iowa City like four times, and three of the times there's been terrible snowstorms. <laughs> they were for basketball games. Um, but that was later in the year, too. It's also the other thing. And doesn't Ohio State's, like, or Columbus's snowstorms tend to happen in February anyway, right? Yeah, I can't recall many, like, early December. There's been snow, but not, like, snowstorms and, like, stuff where, like, you know people get off school or off work or something like that um because that's the other thing like time of year it's like it's it's december um depending on whether or not like playoff expansion would bring about a change to the calendar when games would start when the playoff will start like it could be probably earlier could be november two, two weeks earlier yeah, yeah so like i don't i think i think it's like a i think it was a weird thing to say um Especially because they're very much prone to playing in snowstorms when they typically play Penn State and Michigan anyway. Right. Um, like there have been some there have been some trips to Minnesota and Michigan State that we've taken that were really cold. There's been some brutal weather in East Lansing. Yeah. Yeah. But it's just like, but part of it too. I don't know. Maybe I'm not I'm not an old person, but maybe this is like an older older school take. Like I like that about football. I think that's like part of the charm no, of football. I'm with you. <laughs> it's like yeah. sometimes that happens, and you gotta you gotta and play. Being able it. to like yeah, and also like the idea of the way the sport is kind of changing, of like safety, and I'm not saying that's good or bad, but like the physicality of the sport is every single year getting less and less, 
and it's becoming more and more of a finesse team game. You know what I mean? And I think that's kind of the ironic part about like the Ohio State Michigan situation. It's like they got out gridded and out toughed by the team that they played, and it's like that's mildly concerning, or not mildly is, yeah. concerning enough for you to change your entire defensive staff in order to try to make sure that doesn't happen again. And it's like the idea of winning football games because you're tough is an important aspect of being a really good team. You know what I mean? Like how many Oklahoma teams were really, really good at, at, at basketball on grass and get their ass kicked every time they played a team that had really good line play. You know what I mean? And it's just like you want to envision a time where in 2027 if the if the playoff expands and Ohio State's hosting a game and they have to play USC, that they have to play USC on the field. You want USC to come up and, and play in Columbus, Ohio in December, right? Like that's the whole thing. You don't want to put them in a dome. And it's like also too – and I think I said this already on the show, but it's like when you get to the playoff, you're already playing a really good team anyway. So, like, you both have to play in the same weather, and you both would have the advantages of playing in the Dome. So, like, I just don't understand the concept. Also, the thing that we neither of us have said is, like, doesn't Ohio State stand? And, like, I don't know, maybe there's, like, a deal they could work out where if they use Lucas Oil Stadium that they get the concession revenue or a percentage of it. But it's like, doesn't Ohio State want the, the tickets and and the, the concessions and, like, the boon that it would bring to the businesses in Columbus, like, that, too, is, like, a little weird to me. Like, don't they want to help out those businesses that are paying exceedingly high rents on High Street? Yeah, like you would think so. Campus? Yeah, because I'm sure... Like if, the number one story during the pandemic was what? The imp- It wasn't the number the one impact, story, but, the, a, but yeah, a big no, story was I, the impact on yeah. local businesses if there's no college football, yeah. Didn't you write a story about, like, what it meant for... for uh, What's the place on Lane? No, I did not. I think they wanted me to, but uh, I didn't you, do it. <laughs> uh, you didn't do it. Okay. Um, what's that place called? That's like, uh, oh, Varsity Club. Varsity Club. Yeah. Uh, like how their like business. Have like, you been went there before? The for two years. Yeah, a lot. They have good food. They have a pretty good pizza. I've only been during the week. I've never gone in there like on Saturday when everybody's there, but it's pretty good. I've place. never been there. That's just bar food. I drove by it a million times, but never. Yeah, I just like, the problem is is that like with me, I don't like going places where parking's a pain yes. in the ass, and that there's a small like lot behind the varsity club, but like I don't feel like there's anywhere to park, and then I usually just drive by those places. Yeah. McDonald's always has a parking. That's park. right. That's right. And uh, the drive-through is always clutch as well. Yeah. Why? God forbid you walked to the every park. restaurant should have a drive-through. <laughs> I do think it is strange that there isn't a drive-through pizza place. Uh, Little Caesars has a window sometimes. I said pizza place. <laughs> like a, a solid. So there's this place in Dallas called Familia. Have you been there or Familia? I don't know if, how it's. I have been to a like place a, called that. That's in like rest stops on the Pennsylvania Turnpike. Yeah, restaurants and, and airports. Yeah, yeah. Um, it's basically the same concept of Sabaro. Mm-hmm. But like the one in Dallas that I went to once, uh, there's one right across the street from the hospital where my baby was born. So after the, my baby was born, in a few days I got to go get his food across the street, and I went there. Really, really solid pizza for what it is, in my opinion. It's got good dough, good cheese consistency. It's a New York slice, whatever. Why can't I get a slice like that without getting out of my car? That's a fair question. Like, why does that not exist? Do Sabaros not have... Because there are some brick-and-mortar, like, standalone Sabaros. So those places, like, not have a drive-up window? I want to be able to drive up to a, a, a place... Order three slices of cheese. Wait three minutes. The pre-made pizzas are already there on the counter. Put it in the oven. Hand me the pizza and let me eat it while I'm driving. 
Like, why can I only get burgers and fries that way? Why can't I get a slice of pizza that way? I think it's very strange that there isn't a national drive-thru chain. It's like, I know that Pizza Hut has a drive-thru, like, pickup window where if you order, like, carry-out, they'll give it to you through the window. That's not the same thing as a drive-thru experience, though. You want to you pull up and get a slice? I want to order it there. You want to pull up to the window and order a and whole a pie or just a slice? No, I want to get a slice. Yeah. Or a whole pie, whatever you want. But, like, it's weird to me that you can't pull up to a place and say, I'll have two slices of pepperoni and a Coke. Okay, that'll be seven ninety one. First window. Pay. Second window, they give it to you. Yeah. Is it because pizza's a hard thing to have ready? I don't think so. But, like, you could, you're could telling me you can't just get, a, like, 100 pizzas made? Um, and then when you're getting down to 50, like, make pre-make more and put them in that, you know, like, the East Coast-style pizza that's in a cage when you walk into yeah, the store. Yeah, you walk into the store, it's behind it's, a glass counter. They put it in the oven for two minutes, and they give that's it right. to you. Why is, how is that not a business? Sounds like you need to start it. And, like, Little Caesars is ass. And, like, I know we joke about, like, oh, okay, it's cheap, it is what it is. Okay, that's fine. If you like Little Caesars or it gets the job for you, that's not the point of this. But, like, you could make a pizza that tastes better than Little Caesars that you could hand through a drive through window. Absolutely. And it would be a higher price point. I would be like two ninety nine or three ninety nine a slice. Like I understand that, but like a higher quality pie that that you can get in two minutes. I'm on board with this idea. I think we should start it. I would love to. Maybe it exists somewhere. If you know of this, a place like this that exists, uh, contact us on Twitter. I mean, you can go walk into a Target and you can get like Pizza Hut slices or like the mini. Circular like individual pizzas from Pizza Hut. It's like the the the, the ones that we used to get when we were kids. The like pan pizza, pizza yeah, yeah, the, the personal pan yeah, pizza, it's pan pizza. Yeah. It's like seven dollars, and you know it's just sitting under a lamp, and it's fun. You'd like read a book, like, and then if you're be... enough books, they give you a free pizza. Yeah, it's great. Yeah, back in the days when they had the red cups and the arcades and the Mountain Dew, we were kings. You've seen those memes. I do miss those. I just days. don't understand like like drive through pie or something. Like I don't know what it would be called. Drive pie. Drive pie. Because our friend and mentor Doug Maurice is a very big proponent of uh, of a passenger shotgun pizza. Yeah, and like I think like getting them individually wrapped in like those square boxes that they give you to go like the not the square the triangular boxes that fit a slice. I mean, you can walk into Whole Foods right now and get a slice of pizza that's sitting under a lamp. It's pretty. The good. problem with that though is you have to you have to engineer your pizza in a way where you can still eat it with one hand without worrying about dumping grease down in front of you. Have you ever had Taco Bell while you were while you were driving? No, because it spills all over you. It's the messiest shit on the in the That's entire planet. It has a drive through. I try to. No, no, I know. I'm not saying you can still get it drive through. I'm not obviously, but you can't. It's. I think pizza is can be hard to eat in the car, depending on the grease. Also, factor. nobody needs says you need to have it in the car. I know. I'm not saying you have to have yeah, it in yeah. the car either, but I think that's an important element of it because you want you want. I think you want people to have the, the option of getting it, is, it out of the window and then eating it immediately. Yeah, just like in and out. Are you going to eat this in the box, you fat slob? I know what you're saying. I know what you're saying. I get it. And I think that there's also more challenges of, like, having enough pizza fresh where, like, if there was a demand that McDonald's gets in a day that you have enough. And, like, getting pizza and making it taste good and fresh. But, like, also, let's be honest with each other. Pizza is, like, the best leftover food on the planet. That's right. Like, so it doesn't have to be piping hot right out of the oven every time you get it, too. Like, I would get a... Like, sometimes, you, you might think I'm a psychopath, but, like, if I go to Sbarro... There are times where I just say, I don't want it in the oven. Just give it to me. Yeah, it's pizza. Especially yeah, their pizza doesn't like, make a difference. Yeah, yeah. It's not like I'm, I'm not saying to go get a $27 pie that you would 
you know, sit down in a restaurant and have an Italian place, but just like a, there's people buying slices of pizza in 7-Eleven for 99 cents, like the Speedway pizza that people eat. Like, if people are eating that shit, then they'll eat the drive through pie. Yeah. How do we get on this subject? I can't remember, but it's the most important thing we discussed <laughs> today. Either. Looking for an assist with your credit card, but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite free. You see this? A family watching baseball on DirecTV with no satellite dish in sight. Let's heckle them. You call that changing the channel? Choke up on the remote, buddy. I hope getting all these games on DirecTV makes up for your mother not pre-chewing your sunflower seeds. DirecTV has the most MLB games. Visit DirecTV.com. Claim based on total games offered on national and regional sports networks with choice package or higher. Availability of RSNs varies by zip code and package. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. There was another thing from the Gene Smith uh, press conference I wanted to bring up. Because I thought it was interesting, like, juxtaposed to the idea of, like, we don't want to play in our home stadium because it's cold outside. Um, which I think some people might uh, portray as, like, a little a little softish. Um, Gene Smith also, I thought, gave off a little bit of, like, we're Ohio State. We're going to throw our weight around when it when it comes to the Big Ten, and specifically when it comes to the alliance with the ACC and the Pac-12, and the idea of like those three conferences not only working together to like have some common ground on like important like legislative issues, but also like a scheduling piece. And and this was the part that I think got a lot of national writers' attention was Gene Smith saying that he doesn't think that a scheduling agreement between the Pac-12 and the ACC and the Big Ten is like the best way to go. And I think for him, it's be- which was the understanding is like that was that was the like reason. the reason the thing existed. Yeah. Um, and he basically said like, yeah, when we got together, that was like kind of a big piece of it, and we talked about it, and like now it's not a big piece of it, which like appeared to be news to the Pac-12. <laughs> um, but I think Gene Smith's point of view is like. I don't think he wants Ohio State to like be the team that just gets like shuffled around to different ACC and Pac-12 teams um, to help those leagues make more money on their TV rights. I think he would rather have Ohio State freed up to schedule its own home-and-home series against teams like Texas and Alabama and Georgia, which are coming down the pike. Notre Dame, which starts next year. Washington is in a few years. Oregon's way down the road. Like That I actually agreed with him on because like, I don't. I think like a program like Ohio. Yeah, it was always a weird thing of just like Ohio State doesn't need any help for its television. And they're in this deal for some reason, and all that they were going to be was the team that got people to watch teams that no one wants to yeah. watch. And it's like Ohio State, of any team in the entire alliance, is the team that needs it the least. Yes, and Gene Smith, like he, he, he couched it as like on behalf of the Big Ten, but I took it more as like, like he was talking about Ohio State more specifically. He said like – he said the – ACC and the Pac-12 like need us way more than we need them, <laughs> which is like true. But I was surprised he kind of said the quiet part out loud that. Directly. I think like when the alliance thing happened, it was during a very like emotionally sensitive time. People like people didn't know what was going to happen yeah. with conference expansion, the Texas and yeah. Oklahoma stuff, coronavirus, all that stuff in the same pot, and like Ohio State fans like weren't a part of any of those news cycles. And I think that was kind of like an uncomfortable place for them, feeling like, hey, you know, we're going to be left behind. But it's like if you go look at the stats of like the top ten most viewed games in America last year, I think Ohio State was in three or four of them. 
Which you know, is and it's just kind of like yeah. that. That's usually the case every single year, and it's just like Ohio State could play the Colorado School for the Mines, and it would get a million more views than any other any other game that they could schedule. And it's like, I do like the idea of you know Ohio State USC or Ohio State Virginia Tech, and some of the games that we like Ohio State North Carolina, even you know like certain Ohio State Florida State Ohio State Miami, but like Ohio State's played two out of those four teams already naturally. So it's like what you know, and I personally would rather like Ohio State had home and homes with USC. Miami and Virginia Tech. Yeah, I think I think mostly, and I and I agree. Like I don't I don't think Ohio State wants to like formally put itself in a position where also else Oregon did, and Washington. Yeah, yeah. Like they're going to play they Oregon. They played Oregon. Obviously, they're going to play Oregon again. They're going to play Washington again. They played USC as you've said. Um, I'm still waiting for them to do the home and home with Clemson. That hasn't happened yet. But I do think that it just doesn't make any sense for them to play Oregon State when they can play Purdue. right. And I don't I don't think they want to get. And he like that. That's the other part of the conversation. It's like if they do this, then would the Big Ten drop from nine games to eight games? And like, I, I agree. Like, I would rather just send my team to go play Purdue than send my team to Corvallis or send my team to Winston Salem to play Wake Forest or something like that. Like, I don't want to. If I'm Ohio State, I don't want to sign up to be put in a position where someone's telling me I got to go play Duke in football. And I do think that it's a very uncomfortable situation for Ohio State to be in because you don't know what the playoff is going to look like in five or seven years. And you don't know what the criteria for making the expanded playoff is going to be. And I guess, like, based on what we understand about it, the the idea of who Ohio State plays is probably meaning even less now moving forward. Because if there's 12 teams, mm-hmm. and Ohio State's going to get in every year no matter what. Would Ohio State have gotten in this year? If there were 12 teams, where were they ranked? Yeah, they, they were. would have gotten in, right? Were they, like, seventh, sixth? Yeah. yeah. It's like Ohio State had like a wipe your ass season and like they still would have been in the playoff. And, you know, so like I guess like the idea right when the playoff first started was you have to schedule as many superpowers as you can because you want an enhancer on your resume because you want to look good for the committee. And it's just like Ohio State would have to have a complete disaster of a season to not get in moving forward. So I guess if Ohio State played Oregon State instead of Oklahoma, I mean, sorry, instead of USC then it really wouldn't matter for the resume, and all you want to do is have more entertaining matchups, but that's even more reason not to play that game. Well, yeah, it's, it's not. like they're not going to enhance their resume, they're not going to lose, and it doesn't really do anything for anyone. Right, and they, they are in the business of filling Ohio Stadium. And, like, we've seen Oregon State come to Ohio Stadium, and what, what, the 2018 opener was, like, 73 to 18 or yeah. something like that. If it's USC or if it's Notre Dame, like it's going to be next year. And I don't mean to pick on Oregon State, but like these are the teams that are benefiting the most from this. Yeah, I just don't. I don't think that. And that was like kind of the gist I got from Gene Smith as it pertains to this. It was like Ohio State has played ball a lot over the years, and he was. I, I felt like he was like putting his foot down a little bit and was like, "We're not going to play ball here. Like we've, 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 we've helped other programs that you know need the help quite a bit. Uh, you're not going to go make us play." Um, I don't know, NC State, <laughs> instead of playing an extra Big Ten game. And and deprive us it's the opportunity of like scheduling a home-and-home with a, a powerful comp, a powerful team that people actually want to watch us play. Yeah, people want to play, watch, and, and attend. You know, Yeah, I think that makes perfect sense. And I think everybody was making fun of the whole alliance thing because wasn't there like no contract sign too? It, like it's like everybody, like there wasn't an alliance, but like it was the most easily breakable like agreement in the history of like modern Yeah, it wasn't even like there's nothing like – Hard. There's yeah, no just, like legal binding. To I think it, it was mostly like we, it was mostly posturing because the SEC added Texas and Oklahoma, and like these three conferences got together and wanted to be able to say like, "Hey, man, when we can all get to the table and need to talk about stuff, we have this many votes. So like, watch your back." 
It's like if you take Ohio State out of the entire equation, like it's like the entire alliance idea falls apart almost. It's like I guess you have Michigan and Penn State and other big brands that kind of help buoy it a little bit, but like Ohio State probably play, plays in eight of them, not eight, five of the most of the top ten highly rated Big Ten games of the year, right? Yeah, Ohio State is um, like as an entity much more, I think, alike that. Um, or much more similar to the SEC programs than they are the programs in their own footprint and the programs that would be like in the ACC and the Pac-12 alliance. Like I know there's a, there's a lot that goes into that on the academic side of things, and Ohio State like makes a ton of money, makes more money off of that than it does off athletics. But for, athletically speaking, aside from the fact that Ohio State has more sports than I think most SEC programs do, like football rules the day, and Ohio State football is much more SEC-like than anything, certainly in the Big Ten and Pac-12 and, like, most of the ACC, um, which is, like, puts them in an interesting position maybe to, like, pull that and pull that group maybe a little closer to whatever the SEC slash Big 12 slash, like, Southern point of view might be on certain things as pertains to football. But, yeah, Ohio State is not going to go with the status quo of a bunch the of teams f- that have no shot at competing for a national championship. The funniest thing, though, too, though, Bill – is that when Ohio State gets matched up with the marquee teams of the other conferences, and maybe not Clemson, I don't know what their TV ratings are off top. I think they're pretty good. But like if Ohio State got matched up with Washington or USC or North Carolina or some of the other up-and-coming teams in these conferences, Ohio State's still helping them. Like USC needs their help too, you know? Yeah, for sure. So it's kind of like Ohio State's like the, the what was the, was it the cash cow? Is that what cash you said? Cash cow, yeah. Yeah, it's, it kind of feels like that. So I, I'm on board with that. Um, and if Ohio State does an alliance uh, with USC or the Big 12, I mean, sorry, the Pac-12 or the ACC, then they have to play in a controlled uh, air-conditioned environment if it, it's in August. Yep. Um, you don't want them to go get too hot down there in USC. I've got to make sure that it's 72, controlled, no moisture. Like, honestly, could you imagine C.J. Stroud playing in the sun? He's pretty good when it's cold. It was pretty cold that Michigan State game. He sliced them up. Um, last thing, and we'll get to a couple questions. We we probably could have talked about this a while ago because it was in the news. I want to say like two or three weeks ago. Um, and but Gene Smith brought it back up because he was. He said two things that I thought were interesting. Like one is he's not tied to the idea of the Big Ten having divisions, um, and two, he kind of sees the Big Ten championship game as like expendable if if it ever came to that if if the schedule changed in a way where like the playoff was expanded and you didn't want to make teams play x number of games like could you get rid of the big 10 championship and he sounded like he'd be at least on board with discussing that but uh, the division piece i think is a little maybe a little more interesting like where are you on i guess like balance, competitive balance in the big 10 division structure pods like all that stuff like do you think the big 10 needs to change its status quo or sh- shake things up in that way I think they should name their divisions leaders and legends again. Gene Smith also um, said that and I, laughed about it. <laughs> um, I think that it's unfair to teams in the Big Ten East that they have to play the Big Ten East. I also think that that's what makes the conference awesome to watch during the year. So it's like I'm kind of 50-50 on it. Like It's like, do you want to replace games against Penn State and Michigan State with Purdue and what other big Nebraska, like, and, you know, there's crossovers and stuff too. But, like, I told this to Kevin Warren's face, and, like, he was, like, it seemed, like, almost blown away by it, even though he should probably agree with it. 
It's like there is a very distinct geographical disadvantage that the Big Ten West is in. And no matter what the divisions look like, there's going to be a geographical disadvantage. So the question is, is do you have a problem with the competitive balance of the conference? But like changing the conference structure isn't going to help the teams in the Big Ten West as it currently stands recruit better. Right. So like, what do you like? What is the problem that you're trying to solve? That Michigan State, Michigan, Ohio State, Penn State, and Michigan State are all in the same conference or the side of the division? Like, okay, that sucks for those teams. But like, also too, if Ohio State had to get rid of half of those teams and replace them with shitty versions of like the Big Ten West, then like their schedule would be even more unbelievably boring. So like. I personally like the way it is as a consumer of the sport, but I understand why Rutgers or Maryland be like, this blows. You know what I mean? Like, cause for them, like, it's just like, there's nothing that they could do ever to win their conference. Yeah. And they would prefer to not have to play Ohio state every year. Um, Ohio state, Penn state, Michigan, and Michigan state. That's a really hard slate for the yeah, Rutgers. But, but at the same time, like if you did pods and you did locked in opponents, like Ohio state is always going to play Michigan every year. And then one of Penn state or Michigan state would probably one of Ohio State's locked-in opponents, and then maybe the third is, like, Illinois because of the Buck or whatever. Um, but So you wouldn't really lose those games. Um, and you, So, but what is it fixing? What's the problem that fixes? Well, I think, I think the general idea is it would give, like, in certain years where, like, Michigan and Penn State are not as good as Ohio State, but, like, clearly better than everybody else in the West, and they don't get to go play for a Big Ten championship. And in this case, they would have a better chance of doing that. But also, if you're eliminating the... If, so, to like cater to the people that are most burdened by the lopsided nature. Yeah, of the it's not really... It's not to help Ohio State. Like, Ohio State's position, I don't think, changes much other than... It's to help Michigan yeah, State. The only thing that would change for Ohio State is the fact that, like, I've been covering Ohio State for eight years, and they played Iowa once um, in those eight years. Um, I don't know the last time... The last time Iowa played in Ohio Stadium was, like, 2009, wasn't it? Um, yeah, and I guess it was supposed to be last year, but then the schedule got changed. Jim Trussell asked me if I ever played football before in Iowa City in 2010. What'd you say? Do you not know the story? I do. Me? Yeah. Oh, okay. Did you Did you answer him? I was 21 and scared to death. You should have said, "Yeah, I played punter," and then you but guys would have talked for an hour about it. But I've often thought about what it would have been like if he would do that to me now. For all of you guys who don't know this, you might remember when Ohio State played at Iowa in 2010. It might have even been 2009. I can't remember what year. My first year on the beat as somebody who just finished puberty. (laughs) I went to Iowa City to cover the Ohio State game. And at halftime of that game, Terrell Pryor threw his helmet, basically, and screamed at one of the assistant coaches in the face and, like, stormed off the field. I asked Jim Trussell after the game if he was concerned about his quarterback's behavior, which I thought was a relevant question given he behaved in a way that most people don't usually behave. And Jim Trussell goes, well, in the heat of competition, people get riled up. You've obviously never played football before, so you don't understand that, but (laughs) it happens. And that kind of like was a bitch to me about it. And like, I was just like, oh my God, the president of the Ohio State world just called me a moron on TV and like I wanted to cry. And, like, everybody was making fun of me about it. And it's just like, now, I wish I would have had the ability to be like, actually, that's very concerning behavior. I played high school football. Do you want to check tape? <laughs> let's 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 discuss what I'm asking you. Right. You know what I mean? Like, that, that he, like he, 
And I remember Rusty Miller, who was the AP reporter at the time, was super fired up in my defense about it. And I appreciate that man. about him. It was, it was really inappropriate, and it was bullying of a teenager who was trying to, like, make it in the business. And also, I tried really hard to not be an asshole about it. Yeah. And I think now that we know about the demise of Jim Trestle at Ohio State and his relationship with Terrell Pryor, like, it kind of brings into focus a little bit about how he viewed him a little bit more. Yeah. It's like, don't, don't like, poke at, at my, like, golden right. boy. You right. know? I've... I like Jim Trestle. I think he's a great coach. I'm not trying to make it sound like I think he's an asshole, but like I thought that was kind of a, an asshole. He, is that I didn't cover Trestle. Is that something that he did infrequently? Yes, it was. It was like, it was almost like I said, "Hey, guy, are you going to control your fucking players?" Yeah. Like it was like he made it seem like I was completely out of line, and maybe he just didn't appreciate that somebody young was asking that question. It should have come from somebody like maybe more high ranking yeah. on the beat. I don't know like what what it was that that. Uh, caused that, but like that is like I ask a lot of very like pointed questions. You know mm. this about me, and I know at times I can come across as an asshole. Anybody who listens to this podcast knows that. But in my entire career, I mean, you were covering the team with me for five years. Like, did anybody ever snap at me like that? No. Like, I think that was the only time that ever happened. I can't recall anyone getting snapped at by anybody in my time covering the team. Yeah, like Urban Meyer, like when he first showed up at Ohio State, everyone was like, oh, my God, you see that Jeremy Fowler yeah. video? Like, this guy's a loose cannon. I think Urban Meyer got mad at anybody the entire time, and people asked him some pretty inappropriate questions in the seven years he was I think, or if he got, like yeah, if he got mad, he would be dismissive at times, um, but never combative that I can recall, unless I'm totally forgetting something. At least publicly. I'm sure there were times where, like, people asked him something or wrote something that he didn't agree with, and then he, like, called them or something, but that never happened, that never yeah, happened to me. Yeah, no, it's, it's, but just Google, like... Coach owns reporter. There's a million coaches who, like, lost their handle. Like, I mean, who's the Connecticut coach? Oh, uh, uh, Jim Calhoun. Yeah. Like, I mean, there's a bunch of those from him. You want me to say I fucked up? Fine. I fucked up. You know, like that yeah. video? Like, okay. Uh, but that's, like, funny memory lane. Dude, that's, like, it's crazy, too, because that feels like it happened yesterday, and that was, shit, almost 15 years ago. You know ago. what's funny? The, the, uh, like, the guy who was, like, I don't know, at least, at least for me, for me how because I was like closer to it, like John Chaney was always like that, the Temple basketball coach. And yeah. you know that uh, Jerry Emig, the football SID at Ohio State, used to be the SID for Temple basketball, right? Yeah. So crazy. Yeah. So it was mild-mannered Jerry being the SID for like the most fiery man in college basketball. Didn't John, didn't John Chaney like yell on stage that he's going to kill somebody I think he like point? tried to fist fight John Calipari, yeah. Like, he, he came down like out of the thing and like was like, I'll yeah. kill you. Um. I don't know who, like, there aren't very many fiery outbursts. But, like, we had to ask a lot of questions that were serious in nature about Ohio State at times that were very uncomfortable. You know, like during the Zach Smith stuff and, you know, other times where they had some issues off the field. And it was just like, I mean, if you remember what it was like covering the team when Carlos Hyde got in trouble. Like, there was a lot of things that happened during the the tenure. And, like, what Terrell Pryor did was inappropriate, but it was nothing that would be, like, you know, so he he got angry and he threw his helmet or whatever. No big deal, right? Yeah. Like, I think yeah. I'm kind of surprised that I've navigated through some really tough times without ever really getting somebody angry at me. I think, uh, well, I, I don't know. I'm sure I've made people angry, but just haven't had confrontations about it. Um, and like evasive answers and combative responses are different things. So, and like evasive answers have definitely happened. Um, yeah, I mean, there's. Certainly times where people have probably not liked questions, but I just mean like no one's ever snapped at me. Yeah. No, me, me neither. 
I've had people call me about things I've written. Not Urban yeah. specifically, but other other people. Yeah. Urban called me a few times mad about things really? I wrote. I wrote, and it was like two stories that um, were kind of benign. Uh, one was about how he wasn't for spring football in Ohio. Remember that story I, I wrote? I do, because... And I asked him about that question, and then he called me the next day, and he's like, bro, I do not think that at all. He's like, that's not what I was saying. I, you misunderstood me. Here, let's talk about it now. And then he like clarified, and I wrote a yes, follow-up piece about that. what he meant. I was covering high school sports at the time for Cleveland.com, and we like did a podcast together talking about it. Yeah, which... No, no, he said he was for spring yes. football. Yeah. And he's like, it's insane to me that they don't have it in Ohio and that these kids are being stunted developmentally. And he was afraid that it was going to ruffle the feathers of the coaches in Ohio the yep. wrong way. Because he's asking them to work more. Yes. And it's still like... The, Which is an understandable Yeah, that's point. still like, I think, a little bit of a, of a hot button thing. Like, Ryan Day's touched on it a few times, but never, like, expressly said, like, I think we should have spring football in Ohio, but... Do you think if you polled a bunch of high school coaches, like, let's just say you took a, a 500 of them, and they're like, do you think we should have spring football? Do you think it would be like... 50-50? Do you think it would be no? Like, I think, it seems to me that they would want it. I, Because it's not... It's not... Like, it would help the teams in Ohio in the fall, but it's more of a recruiting thing. So I would imagine that m- the majority of coaches, if you pull them in the state of Ohio, would be against it. Partly because they don't want to have to coach football in the spring. Um, also because like you would be taking kids away from their other sports. Um. Yeah, but these kids are also, like, going through the camp circuit in spring. So, like, the ones that are truly recruitable, like, are still getting workouts in. Yeah, but you're not you're not making you're not your hitting. entire team do workouts for the one kid on yeah, the team. Yeah, that's yeah, yeah, yeah. So I understand, like, the, the actual recruitable talents, though, aren't just ignoring it, is what I'm saying. They are not. Like, they're yeah. doing it. They're not with their teams. But you also but, don't want to make your, you know, starting left guard who's never going to play college football who wants to wrestle, like, go do spring football and not wrestle because you have one kid on your team who's going to play FBS ball. And there's also something to be said about, like, minimizing blows to the head. Yeah, that too. And I don't know, like, you live in a state now that has football in the spring, but like, I don't know, like, do they tackle in Texas spring high school football? I don't know the answer to that. Maybe I should. I'm embarrassed. I don't know. I have that. no idea what the setup is. I know, I know that it exists, but I don't yeah. know what the structure of it is. Um. Yeah. But even like organized workouts where coaches could go out, and I think that like those do exist in the state a little bit. Um, just like go watch guys run around, even if they're not actually playing football. Like I think Ohio State and maybe probably all the other college coaches in Ohio would like more. I mean, there's that. a lot of criticism too about like camps and how like valuable they mm-hmm. are. It's like how much can you tell about a football player from what they do without pads on? And it's like I think you can actually tell a lot at certain positions. Yeah, for sure, I think so. And even like, I think. Like, when we go to the summer camps in June at the Woody, when, like, there's there's hundreds of high schoolers there, and, I don't know, a dozen of them might be, like, Ohio, like being recruited by Ohio State or even, like, close to that level. But, and you would think to yourself, like, oh, they're just running around doing nothing. And But, like, I, I find, like, the one-on-ones offensive linemen versus defensive linemen when there's no pads on, like, very telling. <laughs> well, it's it's You think it's telling? I think, yeah, yeah. I was just gonna say I don't understand why they even. No, do I think them. I think you learn who's about that business <laughs> when you line up two guys with no pads on and do offensive line. I was at the Under Armour series camp, the Under Ar- Under Armour series camp in Dallas a year ago here, and I went and they had Devin Campbell, who was like a five star top ten player who ended up signing with Texas, going up against 
some junior prospect. And the junior prospect was a defensive end or whatever, faster than Devin Campbell, and he just, like, kicked Devin Campbell's ass. And it's like, I think that that drill inherently favors the defense because you're not actually hit, you're not thumping each other. And I just don't understand, like, what are you trying to see? Like, get off, like, physicality. I think you're trying to see get off in physicality, yes. But the, but also, I think a lot of those situations, too, like, they don't let the defensive lineman bull rush because you're not in pads. You don't want to get people hurt. You want to try to stay off the ground if you can. Um, so it's not – I, like, I don't – It seems like doing 30% of what it takes to be good at – I don't position. think – like, I'm not saying that it's like I, – I think it is better when they're in pads and it's, like, more like real football, obviously. But I also think you can learn a lot about. But you think a college coach could watch it and be like, "I'm offering this kid because of this." Yes. Yeah. Because you're watching footwork, footwork. you're watching get off, you're watching footwork. But I also think you're watching like, is this guy, is this guy willing to get smacked in the face? Are you watching intangibles or are you watching the sport? Both. Somewhat. Yeah. I like like DB versus receiver drills. Yeah, I think those are more. I feel like that's more close to yes, the game. I agree with that. I think that's right. And I like watching quarterbacks throw into yeah. windows. I like. I think it's funny with during the offensive lineman, defensive lineman one on ones, like when the center's up in the center instead of just snapping the ball, just like rolls it on the ground <laughs> behind him. It's not even a real yeah. snap, but he's just trying to make sure he gets his block right. Yeah, so like stuff like that, like it's not the same. Um, but I think there's something to be said for like embracing the physicality that comes with lining up across from somebody one on one without pads on and like being willing to do that. Yeah. Um, yeah, because I I wasn't about that life. I'll tell you that, I'll tell you that much. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I guess if I think back to my like high school football days that Jim Trestle doesn't think existed, that was a pretty big wuss. Yeah, that was I was I was big and I could move okay. I just wasn't uh, I wasn't physical enough. I wasn't mean enough to be a good football player. You have to be mean. Yeah. People can flip that switch. I can't flip that switch. I'm a I'm a nice you're a gentle I'm a nice giant. guy all the time. Yeah, you're a That's hugger. Right. Um, all right, let's do some questions. People send in a ton of questions. We're not going to get to all of them. We'll pocket most of them and, and try to hit them uh, maybe next week because a lot of them are like deep thinkers and you know we don't do a four-hour podcast. Um, but we'll try to do more of them next week. But I wanted to hit on a couple of quick ones. The hoops ones, I know I asked for. We'll pocket those as well. Um, Can I be honest for you? People, I know you don't give a shit about Ohio State basketball. No, no. Think about it. It's not even so much that I don't care. I think I can only name one player on I know. the team. Um, which is fine. You don't cover high state basketball. Um, I've, I've, I've also not watched a minute of college basketball this entire year of any. any I've gotten uh, more, more requests for basketball talk on the podcast than I would have assumed. Um, You've been covering them a little bit lately. You were at the game last night. It was the game last night against which Minnesota, one? Tuesday night. Yeah. They Tuesday get a night. big one. Um, uh, why'd you go there? I go to most of the home games. Yeah, I'm going to the Big Ten tournament. Do you do you write off those games? Not every a lot? game, no. Like I ended up, so it's kind of weird. And like I've got, I guess I'll explain it because I think there's at least a small percentage of people who wonder why I don't write off every basketball game. Um, there's just not the same kind of audience. Like, of course, I'll write off every football game because it's worth it's worth the time if people are engaged that way. They're just not engaged that way with basketball. So like, I didn't write, I didn't write off the Michigan game. I didn't write off the Minnesota game. But I've been like... Well, Brennan Quinn wrote off He did. He wrote about E.J. Liddell. It was very good. Yeah. You should read it. Um, but, like, the way I've approached basketball is, like, I've been formulating some ideas based off the last two games that I didn't write about, and, like, I'm going to write about them after the Iowa game on Saturday. Okay. That's my plan. 
Yeah, so like if you're gonna do it, just put your energy into one big one that kind of encapsulates the whole thing rather than just trying to like force it right. after everything. I don't like the I think some people like try to cover college basketball like they cover college football, and I just I don't think it's consumed nearly the same way. Um, There's just more games. Yeah. That's why. And like in football, football is the ultimate small sample size sport, and every game is a referendum on something. Basketball is not that. Even if people want to make it seem like it is, it's just not. Um, so I don't want to treat it as such. It's like a. It's like there's like more of a process. But to if it. you cover North Carolina, you would. I guess it depends on who I would cover it for. Like if I worked at a paper and they would, there was a paper every day, like I had to put something in the paper, of course. But like we don't even, we don't have any like full time team beat writers covering basketball. Listen, Bill. And I don't know who this is going to offend. People like college basketball in March. It's not a very popular sport. Like during January. It's not in February. But the other thing, I, I, I like. I love sports, and I don't. I don't. I like. And I watch the NBA sometimes. I don't. I don't have any interest in watching. Call. I could not name five players in the entire. College yeah, and I, I actually think that's how a lot of people consume college basketball. They're the diehards. And they watch the tournament because yeah. it's exciting. They're diehards, and I, like they're Ohio State diehards. I know they're Ohio State diehards. I'm not trying to say they don't exist. Um, yeah, but, they do. It's just not. It's just not enough people to warrant right. it. And, but but at the same time, like it's. Mid February, like March is two weeks from now. Ohio State is like kind of in the race for a Big Ten regular season title, which they haven't won since 2013, I think. Um, so, like, I get like, I'm getting the sense that people are certain. So, they're good. They're interesting. Uh, whether or not they are capital G good, I think, has yet to reveal itself. Their, their Big Ten schedule is, is odd in that. They have not played a lot of the teams that you would consider to be the best teams in the league very much. Like it's like Purdue and Illinois are probably the two best teams in the conference, and Ohio State's only going to play each of them once, and they haven't played Illinois yet. Um, they haven't played Michigan State yet. Uh, they played Michigan once, although Michigan's not that good. They played Wisconsin twice, and that's the two best teams they played. So, like they're I think they're nine and four now after beating Minnesota. Um, so they have seven games left, and five of them are at home. And they're one game, one game back in the loss column for a Big Ten regular season title. So it's like this is as this is as in it as Ohio State has been under Chris Holman since his first year at this point in the season. Yeah. So it's interesting. Um, I think they're I think they're limited. EJ Liddell's awesome, but besides that, I think they're limited. But he might be awesome awesome enough. This is the kind of team that just go to the Sweet Sixteen out of nowhere, though. He might be awesome enough to like get them there by himself, more or less. Yeah. So. Is he a lottery pick? No, because he's like a six-seven power forward. But I think he's going to be a very good pro. I think he's going to be a guy who gets drafted, like maybe even in like the second round, and then in like five years, like how did this guy get drafted in the second round? Yeah, but the Big Ten has like probably two or three lottery picks this year, which is high for them. Ooh, I don't even. Yeah. I don't. We don't have to spend the last ten minutes of the podcast. Of, of, All right, ask ask one of the good questions on, about football, big time basketball. But we'll get into, I, yeah. I, for the people who want it. We will do some more hoops talk um, as we get closer to, to tournament time, and we'll do it the way we used to do, where I just like ask questions about like my interests as a casual fan, and then you can answer yes. the questions. And we'll take I, we'll we'll take listener questions as well. I think I think that's probably the best way to go about it. 
Victorinox, the makers of the original Swiss Army Knife, have been a reliable companion for life's everyday challenges, mastering functionality, innovation, iconic design, and uncompromising quality with its products. The Victorinox Swiss Army Knife provides you with all the things you don't think about until you need it. Tweezers, a screwdriver, and even a corkscrew. With the Victorinox Swiss Army Knife, you can be prepared to master everyday life. You can find Victorinox Swiss Army Knives at Dick's Sporting Goods. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Here is a recruiting question from Jamie Starrett that he emailed in. Um, By the way, I always see the same email, and I wonder if he's related to Jason Starrett, who works with us. Um, He asked, Jamie asked, if Arch Manning randomly wanted to go to Ohio State, would Ryan Day take him? The answer, of course, is yes. But uh, I want to lean on your national recruiting expertise and like try to get a read on where the Arch Manning recruitment stands right now as Ohio State seems to be like slow playing every quarterback in 2023. You mean like who? Where do I think he's like? Yeah, like who? Forward? Who are the teams that are involved? Like, do you have uh, any kind of feel for what might happen there? Well, I mean, I think that people are just generally interested in Arch Manning just because of his mm-hmm. name. Um, and I got asked this in my mailbag on Tuesday that I wrote, and the question basically was: Is Arch Manning overhyped because of his name? And I think that's an interesting question because I think that he has the skill set of a five-star quarterback, right? And if his name was Wasserman, I think he would be a five-star quarterback. I don't think that the hysteria around him would be the same. It's like, you love high school football recruiting. You cover Ohio State. Like, can you name the other five-star quarterbacks in this class right now? Uh, like, Malachi Nelson. Like Quinn Ewers. Yeah, Nico Malachi Nico Nelson. Uh, yeah. How many more are there? Dante Moore. Dante That's Moore. Four. How many are there? Uh, I think there's five. Um. No, even I'm wrong. There's only four. So, oh, there's five. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I was right. I don't know who the fifth is. Jaden Rashada out of Pittsburgh, California. Oh, right. yeah. Okay. My point is, is that, like, you cover it and you know that off the top of your head because you pay attention to it, but I don't think the general fan knows that and might not have heard of half the players that you just mentioned, but every single college football person in the entire world knows who mm-hmm. Arch Manning is. So, like, to me, I think that Arch Manning is a very good quarterback, and he's 6'4", and, like, 215 pounds, crazy good athlete, strong arm, good pocket presence, all the things that you want from a five-star quarterback. But I think that his recruitment is more symbolic than it is um, necessity. Does that make sense? Because, like, right now, he is... Um, reportedly down to Alabama and Texas. I'm assuming that there's going to be a lot of twists and turns in this thing before it ends. But he's also uh, considering Ole Miss, apparently, because uh, of the family history, and he's also um, considering Georgia. But outside of Ole Miss, um, all three of those teams that he's being recruited by have recently signed or have a five-star quarterback. Right. So, like, if he picks Georgia or he picks Alabama – 
he would just be like he would immediately probably become the face of their programs because he's Arch Manning. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like it's a Manning, and Mannings just develop and create and manifest NFL quarterbacks. So like I get that, but like also who really needs him right now out of those teams, right? Like, Texas probably you could make the... I mean, Ole Miss clearly is the one that could do it the most. Um, and I would like to see him end up there, if possible, because I like talent being spread around to, to new places, and it gives people a reason to watch Ole Miss. But, like, Texas has Quinn Ewers. You know, Georgia and Alabama both have signed multiple five-star prospects the last few years at the quarterback position. It seems to me more symbolic than it is anything else. You know what I mean? Like, the idea of who signs him is, like, reigning supreme in the sport, and look where Arch Manning went. He could have picked anywhere. He can pick this team, and I think that's kind of like the... So, like, when somebody says overhyped, he's the number one overall player in the class. Maybe he still would have been the number one overall player. He certainly would have been a five-star prospect. But I think the answer to that question is yes, because his name hypes up his recruitment so crazily. So, like, it doesn't pertain to Ohio State, because he's not going to go to Ohio State. But Ohio State needs him... Every bit is, or doesn't need him every bit as much as the three teams that are recruiting him. Does that make sense? Like, I don't know if yeah. I'm saying that right, but like, like they would take him. Of course they would. Anybody would take him. But like, Ohio State doesn't need a five star quarterback in this class. They just don't. They have too many right now. And Arch Manning would be a wonderful thing if you got him. Ohio State could say, we got Arch Manning, but I think the symbolic nature of that recruiting hit would be more important than the actual um, usage of him on the roster. Not that he wouldn't turn out to win the Heisman there. Like, I'm not saying he's not going to be good. But it's not like he's picking between Tennessee, Arizona State, and Ole Miss. He's picking against all the teams that get the five-star quarterbacks anyway. I'm fascinated to see what Ohio State does with 2023. Um, Yeah, I mean, what's your take on it? Like, are they going to – they don't seem to be hot and – like, is Dante Moore – the only one they've really recruited because he's in the middle. No, I actually, like the opposite. You would think that maybe they'd be on him more because he's so close. But, I mean, there's communication there, I think, but not as much as you would assume. And I, I, I find him interesting because like I'm, I'm nobody. Like I'm not a quarterback talent evaluator whatsoever. You're not. He's nobody. a, Stop. he's a five star quarterback, but he's like I've actually seen him, because um, he was in Columbus for the Under Armour camp last year, and like. When a five-star quarterback shows up, I think you maybe expect to notice him a little more than I did Dante Moore that day. Now, that is last spring, and I didn't watch him this fall. I didn't watch his high school tape at all. Maybe he went nuts in the fall, and I'm talking out of my ass. But I wonder if like Ohio State's own evaluation of him is that maybe they don't need to push that right now. Um, it seemed like they were maybe on Jackson Arnold quite a bit, and then he committed to Oklahoma. He's, a, he's from Texas. Uh, Denton Geyer, which is actually coached by Jackson Smith and Jigba's old high school coach, who's at Rockwall and, and left to go to Denton Geyer. Um, Great guy, yeah, by the uh, way. Rodney Webb is his name. Really good guy. Yep. Um, but that's like, that's the only guy that I thought like kind of rose to the level of like he seems like he might be their guy in this class. And now he's off the table, and now it's just like they have these offers out to Nico Imaliva and and Dante Moore, like I think, will be a guy that they keep tabs on, and um, the kid from Georgia, uh, Dylan Lonergan, is another guy too. But like at this point, I feel like in previous cycles, at this point, like it's been pretty clear who their guy is, and that is not clear at the moment. We always talk about like defense, right, in recruiting, 
Like, do you just recruit Dante Moore to make sure he doesn't go to Michigan? No, not like not if you don't. Not if, that, if your evaluation of him is like, I don't think it's right for us. I'm like, why would you care if he goes to Michigan? And I'm not saying that's Ohio State's evaluation make it, of him. Make it harder. Yeah, I don't know. Probably not. I don't. I don't think you do. I don't think you do business. I just read way. a story or a, a tweet or something that said that he's leaning towards uh, Miami. Because of Josh Gattis. Gattis. Miami, yeah. So, yeah. I get that. So, yeah. Um. I don't know. I I think less five star quarterbacks going to your rival, the better. I think. Yeah, I think but that's I, true. I, I just don't know. Just I don't like, know. Like Kyle McCord, I I fully expect Kyle McCord and Devin Brown both to be on the roster in the fall of twenty twenty three. Unless it's like unless it was a case where like Devin Brown wins a job and it's like very clear that he's going to win the job in the spring, which I don't think that would be the case. Um. And then, like, so if you have both those guys on your roster, I just don't know, like, if they're going to be able to get a top flight 23 quarterback because of that. I think they're going to take someone. Yeah, it also made no sense that Devin Brown came. That's true, him, yeah. So, I guess, I mean, like, that could just know, keep it, happening and we'll keep being befuddled by it. But um, my guess right now is that they do take a quarterback in 23, but it's it's not, like, a marquee name, and it like might even maybe be, like, a, a transfer type of guy who's, like, willing yeah. to be a backup just to have another body in the room. Um, and then you... They're all in on Jaden Davis in 2024. So, like, that's clear. He's their guy yeah. in, that, in that class, it seems like. Um, it's a couple more questions. Uh, this was a non-Ohio uh, State question. This is from at 2007MLR on Twitter. What's the scariest message we could receive from outer space? Oh, wow. I thought, uh, one, it's like... I don't think the general idea of getting a message from outer space, outer space should scare you because if you're arrogant enough to think that we're the only intelligent life forms on this planet, uh, you're a moron, um, or on this in this universe, you're a moron. But I think the idea of like learning that like somehow somehow it was divulged that like we weren't alone on this planet, I think would be a little freaky. I think the message saying "get ready to die" would probably be the hardest thing. We have our laser pointed at you. We just point our laser back. I mean, Elon Musk killed a bunch of monkeys putting microchips yeah. in their head. Uh, Listen, man, so if they're going to blow, they're gonna blow of, up the earth, like whatever. Like what? A, you know, my uncle said do? a long time ago. I think that any sort of message from space that is a infringement on our safety would create total and utter anarchy. Oh yeah, I'd go rob them. I think I'd go I would be more. I would be. I would be more afraid of what would happen here from people than I would be from the laser. I think if there, if I was, if it was, if it was absolute certainty that they were going to just blow this rock up, I might go steal a pizza or something, just for the thrill of it. I think you could do that now. I don't think I could do it. I think I'd still leave a twenty of, on the counter. Yeah, <laughs> I don't think I'm one time Landis got. Uh, we went to IHOP and got all-you-can-eat pancakes in Louisiana down there in Homa, and it was the worst service of any restaurant I've ever had. Uh, and we ordered all you can eat pancakes and we were there for like 45 minutes and they gave, they gave Bill one pancake and there was like a brown like stain on the, on the plate and Bill still paid for the coffee when we left. I drank it. I drank the I was coffee. Like, I, I just told Bill, let's get the hell out of here. I'm, I'm not paying for the, and he put a five on, on the table. Cause I drank the coffee and it was served yeah, to me. I would have, I, I, I was befuddled that I, I would have not paid and I would have begged for somebody to ask me why not. Um, Alien movies kind of scare me a little bit because I do think it's within the realm of reality. 
And I do think that, like, there's a lot of scientific shit that's happening in our society right now um, that is, un- is, like, disconcerting to me. Like, the Neuralink thing, and maybe I just sound like a boomer, but, like, the Neuralink thing, you know what that is? Elon Musk is creating a company that's called Neuralink or is creating something called the Neuralink where they are inserting microchips into people's brains with the hopes of, like, extracting their thoughts and, like, letting people leave their body which I think is really, really scary. And like the entire metaverse thing of like being able to download your consciousness onto like a computer so that you like can transcend the age of your body and continue to live once you're gone is like something that is, is totally crazy. And like the entire metaverse thing, like all these types of things that have like, is my daughter who was born four months ago going to be wearing a, a headset 24 hours a day and living in another universe because there's a microchip in her brain in like 20 years, like scares the shit out of me. So like, I don't know if it's just cause I don't understand the technology, but like robots and all this, all the types of stuff that we see in sci-fi films, it's like a lot of the shit's happening right now. They're making robots and stuff with like consciousness. Right. So like that scares me. Um, but I do think that if you go watch YouTube or pull up YouTube and like type in like scale of planet earth and it shows you, like it, it starts with Earth as a circle, and then there's like a like a, a, a conveyor mm-hmm. belt, and then Earth goes to the left, and all these planets keep coming, and it shows you like how insignificant Earth is in the actual universe. It would be an insult to a speck of sand to say that we are a speck of sand in yep. the universe. So, like, if you like to the edge of the universe that we know exists, I think it would take like 17 million light years of travel to get there. And, like, think about a beam of light. It would take a beam of light 17... Like, that is a distance that's almost... It's it's unfathomable. And to think that we're the only people, like, doing an Ohio State podcast, like... I don't know. Sometimes I wonder, like, are we an ant farm in some kid's bedroom? In, like, another... I hope so. You know? And, like, I don't care. Like, whatever. Like, life is still life, and we're doing our thing, and, you know, having a good time, talking about football and stuff. But um, I do wonder like the significance of like human and humanity yeah that's what i meant i apologize for calling people more i shouldn't call people that's but that's what i meant no no it's it's you are like if you think that like dude they've already i went to arizona and i don't know if people know this but like arizona's like huge on the mars rover like i think u of a is like one of like leading like space like intelligence and i took an astronomy class they've already found fossils on mars like, there's, like, water patterns on Mars. And, like, Mars is some place that we could conceivably travel yeah. to. And it's, like, that, like, would be the equivalent of you walking. Like, Mars is the equivalent of you, like, walking next door to your neighbor's house to us. And, like, there are planets that are so far away that you couldn't walk to them on Earth. It's, like, we don't know. We It's incomprehensible what could be out there. I hope that there is an identical... Ohio State podcast to this dynamic on another planet somewhere. Yeah. And then you start like talking into like, like sometimes I start talking about this stuff and I feel like we're smoking weed because like this is the type of stuff that people talk about when I got some high. edibles sitting right but, here. Like, it is. It, yeah. Yeah. Take one. We can go two hours today. But like I just I feel like when I watch that YouTube video, the level of insignificance that I feel is pretty unbelievable. It's like. I feel like I'm the center of the world every single day. Everything that I do is like about me and mm-hmm. my family. And it's like when you think about being one person on this planet that's not even a speck of sand in the grand scheme of what this whole thing is, 
It's like, who cares about anything that I do ever? We are rather insignificant. Let's do some more questions. Uh, let's do like two more, maybe. Tell me this isn't the best freaking podcast on the on the planet. I think it's an interesting discussion. I'm also having a strange feeling of deja vu that we've already had this discussion on the podcast. <laughs> so I, I have think we? maybe we have. Um, I can't. So what was the but what was the sca- Pizza Hut closes? The scariest which is we can receive from outer space. Message. Yeah, is that Pizza Hut closes at noon? The buffet is closed. Um, Actually, there are no what? buffets anymore. I don't think. I don't. I who is a Pizza Hut buffet anymore? I don't know. I think since COVID, they shut them down. <sighs> Man, people aren't talking about that enough. All right, here's a here's a football question. I hope I'm I hope wrong. wrong too. Yeah, here's a football question uh, from from our guy Sexy Dad Bod Mike on Twitter. Uh, who is the one returning freshman that Ohio State needs to make a second year leap to becoming a star? Um, he lists some names. There are a lot of candidates that I think you could you could name off here. Who are his candidates? Uh, Jacalyn Johnson or Jordan Hancock, JT Tuimolowal, Jack Sawyer, Mike Hall, Donovan Jackson, uh, Marvin Harrison Jr., Mecca Abuka. Probably put like Tylee Hall in that mix. Um, I mean, I thought there was only one. Who is it? The one that came to my head, Jack Sawyer. I think it's one of those two I guys. Think, yeah. I think Ohio State needs a Joey. Bosa I think they need. Game. Yeah, I think they need an absolute game wrecker up front. Yeah. So, and that, like, to me, is the main tenant of tough. Right? Like, we always make fun of Ohio State for being soft. It's like. How do you become tough? You know, get like a Chase Young dude that can just come off the edge and wreck. Yeah, it was like very. I like really like the college football and the NFL aren't aren't like one to one comparisons. I understand that, but the I think a lot of the general tenets remain true for both of them. Like watching the Super Bowl and watching the way that the Rams' defensive line like took over that game, um, and then thinking about what Ohio State has had in the past and like how little you felt Ohio State's defensive line over like the last year. It wasn't terrible last year in 2020, but it wasn't what you expect. And then this past season, it wasn't very good at all. Like, they got to get back to that. Um, so, yeah, I think it's... And I think part of that is a factor of five-star defensive linemen not turning out to be who they were supposed to be. Yeah, I think that's right. Like, I think they are Teron Vincent and Zach Harrison away from being what we thought they were from that not being the case. Like, it's that, I think it's... I honestly think that it is that small. Yep. So yeah, Sawyer. Well, it's significant. It's yeah. significant. But if Sawyer or Tuimolowau or I'm just saying, it's not like a four class fix. It's five star guy being stud that we thought right. he was. And they've not. I mean, they had that guy in seventeen with Chase Young. They have signed some guys since then that you thought were going to be that and haven't quite become that. And now in 2021, and even in 2022, there are guys there who you would expect them to become like real game wrecking difference makers up front. People you and fear, I think, that needs I think to is a good way yeah. to put fear, it. Fear, feel, yeah. It's like, yeah, they need to um, they need that back. I know you're the star of the show here, uh, you're the host, but I think that like asking a question as it pertains to um, my theory that people were wound up about would be a good way to segue into Stars Matter if people want to do that. Did you have a question in mind? Didn't you say that somebody asked a question about it? Yes. Uh, it was in the email. I have to go find it. <laughs> <laughs> oh, wait, here it is. Okay, so aliens. Uh, <laughs> so this, I guess this is kind of good. This is a question from Nick Fink. It was emailed him. On a recent Stars Matter podcast, Ari had some real concerns about the Buckeyes' upcoming 2023 recruiting class. He was worried that the Buckeyes could have a lesser class than they've recruited, recruited recently due to some of the new hires at other schools around the country and also how Ohio shapes up this year. Um, 
And his questions were, should this give us some concern about Ryan Day moving forward? Aren't these the kind of hurdles the head coach of Ohio State should be able to get over? Um, he would just love to hear more about our thoughts on that topic. Yeah, we're an hour and seven in, but I think we can go ten more minutes on this. Right? Yeah, yeah, I don't yeah. know. I don't want to touch it this week. Let's do it. Um, so here's my basic premise. And if you didn't listen to Stars Matter, um, I encourage you to do that. We talked more about it. Bill and I recorded uh, this week's episode before this one. So, like we said, double action. My idea is that Ohio State's two recruiting classes, or my my theory, um, were spectacular. Two of the best classes that they've ever signed in the history of the program, right? This year, um, I think is going to be the most interesting recruiting cycle in a long time, not just as it pertains to Ohio State, but just in general. There's a lot of first-year head coaches, and there's a lot of battles. That's going to be very interesting to see who wins them. Like, is Mario Cristobal going to be great mm-hmm. in Florida? Is Billy Napier going to be better? Uh, can Jimbo Fisher do it again? Is Lincoln Riley going to own Cal? Like, all these different things, I think. And even, um, you know, up in Oregon, you know, there's a Dan Lanning, you know, who coached yeah. at Georgia. The like, Pacific Northwest is actually a lot of, interesting if people aren't talking about yeah. it versus the other places. There's a lot, but there's a lot of excitement. Like even Brian Kelly in L- at LSU. Like I'm very excited to see like what this is going to amount to. But my my basic theory is that in the state of Ohio, and Sonny Styles did uh, reclassify from 2022 to 2022 from 2023, and he would have been a five star in this year's class. He's in the program, so take it for what it's worth. There is no Jack Sawyer five star prospect in Ohio this year. I believe there's only two top 100 players at all. In Ohio, and one of them's going to Notre Dame. Yeah, right? Brennan Vernon, and then Luke Montgomery, who is committing on Thursday and is likely to pick the local team. Yes. So, my thing is, is that Ohio State is going to be in Notre Dame territory this year, in in the sense that they are forced to go national, and they're always going national, so that's not a problem. But usually, they have a backbone of. Three, four, five, six, maybe Ohio players, one of which is a Jack Sawyer that really does a nice number on helping that average player rating. Ohio State does not have the the safety net of Ohio to fall back on this year, and all of their secondary or primary national spots are now being um, manned by much better recruiters than were there before. Like, for instance, Ohio State's very heavy in Florida this year. I think that would have been boded. Is that a word? word boated it would have been better for ohio state if manny diaz were still the head coach in miami like say Mm -hmm. what you want about miami ohio state should win battles against them but like mario cristobal is a special recruiter um i think billy napier is a much better recruiter than dan mullen was like there are more challenges in florida than there have been in the past texas a&m oklahoma with brent venables and now uh texas Gaining some momentum at the end of the cycle makes it a little bit harder to come into Texas. Uh, Southern California, another secondary market for them in the national scale, has Lincoln Riley as the head coach. And it doesn't seem like there's any natural, no doubt about it, secondary places where they can just go and clean up. You know, And they've had different places throughout the last 10 years. They spent a lot of time in Georgia at the beginning of, of our careers covering Ohio State. They've really, really been great at recruiting Texas. They've gotten guys out of California unquestionably have gotten guys out of Florida. So combine those two things. I think it's going to be very hard for them to match the mega classes that they've signed the last two years, which are players that are in the top 100 and and signing 10 to 12 of them. I said it last week on stars matter in a pretty assertive voice. Um, 
Bill, I think, pushed back on it a little bit. But when I kind of settled down and said it a little bit more rationally, I think you're on board with me. I'm on board with the idea that it is certainly very interesting to monitor. I don't, I don't want to paint like a doom and gloom picture, but I do, I do think it will be more difficult um, to, to match the average player rating that I think Ohio state fans are accustomed to. Now that the total number always impacts where exactly the class stands. And I don't know what they're going to sign. Um, you know, if they ended up signing like 19 guys, of course that class is going to rank lower, but it's the average player rating you worry, you, you worry about and you should worry about. Um, and that'll be harder to accomplish when you're only getting two potentially, Potentially one top 100 player out of your own state in in 2023 uh, in in Luke Montgomery. One's the best. One's the best case scenario. Like Joshua Padilla, if he rose to top 100, I think it's possible. Malik Hartford, um, who is not committed yet, but Ohio State is heavy on safety. um, I think has risen some and could rise to the level of top 100. But the the thing, like Ohio, Ohio is not particularly deep this year. At least doesn't seem like it. They've only offered six kids in the state. Um, and if you like look at the list of players, like I don't, I don't think there's many more who you say to yourself like, oh, well, like that guy could become an Ohio State offerable kind of player. So like they might only get five or six guys from the state in this class, and and only one or two of those could be top 100 players, and maybe it's even more likely one. So that just if you want to maintain the level you've been at, you have to compete on a national scale in what looks like a more um, competitive landscape in the places you've typically gone. But it's not. It's not changed their approach. Like they're huge in Florida this year. Um, they're always big in Texas. They're big in Georgia. There are some interesting spots. Like I'm just looking. I'm looking at the two four seven offers list, which like is not the most reliable thing in the world, um, but it's a decent enough resource. Like they've offered five guys in Massachusetts, which I know is like a red flag for you. Um, but like, there's a dude up there in Samson, Okunlola, offensive lineman, five star offensive tackle. Like that's that's how you combat this. I think like you go up there and get a guy like that. Um, They've offered a couple of guys in Missouri, like like they've always kind of been there in the St. Louis area, but like that's an area where I think you could be competitive because I'm not like worried about Mizzou. Um, they've offered three guys in Louisiana, which I think is interesting. One of them's already committed to A and M quarterback Eli Holstein, but they've offered two linebackers in Louisiana. That's not really a, t- a place where they spend a lot of their resources. I, I think that's interesting. Like they they sense like. There's enough shake up there with Brian Kelly to take advantage of something there when maybe otherwise they couldn't do that. So I, I, it's not like a full scale changing of their strategy, but there are a couple of interesting pockets here or there where they might be able to snag a guy or two to help make up for, you know, if there's a five star or high four star prospect in Florida that they in the past would have a better chance of getting that they can't get right now because the landscape in Florida has changed a bit. But I still think, like, if Ohio State is not. I still, I still think in the end, Ohio State is going to be top five in average player rating where you expect it to be. Yeah, and I do think that too. Like a lot of this bill is predicated on where people are, and that obviously fluctuates every single year. And I'm not saying that I don't believe that Ohio State can do it. I'm saying that I wouldn't be surprised if they didn't. And I wonder, like, if this is um, a very important class for Ryan Day. Like, I, I just. There are like even if you listen to the question, I think that f- there is some concern from the Ohio State fan base about the direction of the program right now, and rightfully so. They've had an overhaul to their staff. They lost to Michigan. They didn't make the playoff. I've heard more is Ryan Day the right person for the job, or is this something that Ryan Day has to overcome more than I ever thought would be imaginable two years ago? And I'm not saying that he's in a critical critical position right now, but I am saying that there is some fan concern. 
If they turn around and sign the number seven class in the country, that would be fine, I guess. But if they sign 23 guys and they're finished number seven, that would be a major drop-off from what we're Mm -hmm. accustomed to. And it wouldn't be shocking to me. So, are they going to get guys in Florida? I'm sure they will. Are they going to get guys in Texas and California? I'm sure they will. But if you are in a position now where these other coaches start to take care of their territories better, and it amounts into one or two or three, maybe even four players per year that would have gone to Ohio State that aren't, over the course of a four-year period, which accumulates to an entire roster, that's a 10-person difference maybe. And I think that would be significant in four years. And I'm very curious to see if Ohio State will be able to dominate. And when I, I don't use that word lightly, dominate the way that they have been dominating. And even last year, they took a major backseat to Alabama and, and Texas A&M. Not an average player, really. I don't know if they end up. Weren't they behind both yeah, of them? Yeah, but I, I wouldn't say major backseat. Yeah, I know, I guess. There's more talent going into those programs overall, too. Um, and, you know, I think once you start getting into that average player rating, you got to remember, too, that, like, maintaining a higher average player rating with a lot more commitments is harder. You know, it's easier to have a high average player rating if you have a smaller They're pretty class. far behind So, like, I think... A full point. Yeah, I mean, it's a pretty significant dip. One, if you one point. So, um, yeah, you know, I'm not trying to, like, create doom and gloom. I just think it's a very interesting class and a critical time for Ohio State to prove that um, it can, can recruit at the highest possible level regardless of the yeah. circumstance. And I'm very curious to see how that all turns out. And it's like, you look at their their commitments right now, it's like, Four commitments, none of which are uh, in the top 100. And, like, if you think about a year ago now for the 2022 class, it was like they had, like, six top 100 players already. And it's just, like, it's, I think, moderately concerning if you're an Ohio State fan during a time where things are really shifting. Trying to think if that's right. Wasn't Ohio State in 2022 supposed to, like, run away with the number one class, like, right in the beginning stages of it? And that was back in the times, too, when Quinn Ewers was a 2022 prospect. Like, I understand that. But they had, like, Caleb Burton was a five-star prospect at a certain point. Like, they had, like, a bunch of really good players in 2022 early. I'm trying. I looked this up, and I'm looking through my notebook to see if I uh, still have it in here somewhere. Because I, I found myself wondering the same thing. Like, if how, how far behind pace they were with this class compared to... Um, the previous one, and I think they were behind. I, I think I did not write it down in this notebook, but and like Gabe Powers committed early. Gabe Powers and CJ Hicks were already in the boat. Yeah, um, I'm trying to think. Caleb Burton was hot, rated much higher than he ended yes. up being rated. Um, Quinn Ewers was in the in the mix. Like they had four five-star fringe five-star prospects committed very early last year yeah and they don't have that they don't have that right now um mostly i think because like there's not there's not a cj hicks in this class or there was and now he's already on the roster in sunny styles um and maybe you'd feel differently if sunny styles was just in this class. if sunny styles was just in 20 yeah but, that is an interesting thought exercise if sunny styles was just in 23 and committed to ohio state like would you feel better about where things stand right now i think that should factor into your thinking when you assess this class well, I mean, I think when you talk about the entire realm of college football and how the gap between the haves and the haves-nots is going to change, it's not going to change because one team finally just got 11 five-star prospects out of nowhere. It's going to be every single team 
doing their part to a certain extent to keep players home mm-hmm. better. So USC keeps a few more players home. Florida keeps a few more players home. Florida State, Miami, everybody does it. It means less top-tier talent for Alabama and Ohio State. And over time, that's how the, the, the water yeah. level drops. So right now, when you look around nationally and you see the, the people who are in these positions, you don't really look at a lot of major talent areas and say there's a major opening there for national recruiting. I think that's fair. Yeah, I think that's fair. Um, but they are like Florida, Florida, I think will be the tell here because of how invested they are. Like they need a guy at running back. Almost all their targets, top targets in position are from Florida. Brandon Ennis is a Florida receiver. Carnell Tate is like kind of Florida. Peyton Kirkland off to tackle. He's in Florida. Cormani McLean, five-star cornerback, whatever you think of their chances of landing him, they would like to have him. He's on the, he's in Florida. Um, what are their commitments? If you just go look at the the Ohio State prospects page, the twenty twenty through the twenty twenty three football prospects page that shows you who they're interested in and who they've offered, they have a state breakdown. Twenty nine of them are in Florida. Sixteen of them are in Georgia, and fifteen are in Texas. Ohio's that number eleven. Yeah, but that's typically the case. They they always offer more guys in their states than they do. They don't. Ohio State never offers more than probably eight to twelve players even that number might be high in the state of ohio anymore so that's not like out of the ordinary i mean florida georgia and texas are very hard places to recruit right now and those are where their eggs are a lot so of eggs of florida we'll see how it goes florida yeah um yeah the thing that i mentioned in stars matter that i want to mention here is that the state of alabama has 11 top 100 players this year so uh, to me, that is a very interesting thing for taking Alabama off the board at a lot of other places. Um, but I do think that their recruiting strategy in terms of where all their eggs are, Bill, is going to lend into more head-to-head Alabama matchups than they've had in the past, which surprisingly hasn't been that Yeah, long. and they've offered, according to 247, they've offered four players in Alabama. Um, A.J. Harris, the cornerback in Phoenix City, has been like a long-time top target of theirs, but I don't actually think Alabama is in the mix for him. Um, that's more like North Carolina. He's a Georgia, North Carolina yeah, Clemson guy, right? Yeah, and he was he was on the other side of the state line in Columbus, Georgia, and now he's in Phoenix City, Alabama. Um, so he's technically an Alabama prospect, but I don't know. Like, It's not quite the same thing. Um, Geography. Didn't we stay a night in Phoenix City, we Alabama? Did. We did. We went to Jawan Pass's high school, and a fight hmm. broke out. <laughs> I, think, I, think that we, I think that we stayed in a Hampton Inn that night. No, I think we stayed at a brand new, like, just built courtyard. Yeah, oh, in Phoenix did? City, okay. I think is where we stayed. Hampton Inn's a pretty like underrated chain, I think. I never stay there anymore because it's not a Marriott, but they have pretty comfortable beds. From Yeah, it's not bad. It's not bad. I just remember the beds in that hotel were, like, elevated high. Yeah, they were a little, beds. Yeah, they were. You remember, it's a good memory. And I don't remember, yeah. yeah, yeah, I don't know why I remember that. You know how your brain uh, just remembers random shit yep. for no reason? And then you forget important things like, oh, there's a company all-hands meeting today. <laughs> um, I'll leave you with this. What if there are aliens amongst us? Like, when you think about the shit that we've invented as a human- as humanity, like the fax machine or the internet or the metaverse or GPS or space travel, the thing I sometimes think about is like, what is step one to coming up with this shit? 
like if you think about like what kind of level your brain would have to be operating on to consider things that would amount to discoveries in technology just based on living off of the earth how could you possibly think in that realm i can't even screw in a light bulb like what is step one to inventing the light bulb during a time before like the light bulb was invented before the automobile right like during a time where you're just like farming in your own backyard there's no grocery stores you're living off the land and like alexander graham bell is that the guy who created the no, light thomas bulb? edison and then thomas edison i'm a moron yeah so even then do you know how freaking of a genius you'd have to be to come up with this shit yeah, or so we're ending the podcast on Thomas you, Edison was an alien. I sometimes wonder if there are certain people amongst us who are inventing things and are they're just different. And I don't know. I mean, obviously, yeah, that different. was my thing. It's like invasion of the body snatchers. So it's just one day you come to the realization yeah. that everyone you know is actually an alien. Have you ever stood behind the random person at the car rental agency and they can't figure out how to get into their fucking car without asking 29 questions? Because they're from another planet. That is what Earth is. Like, getting at a grocery store and somebody can't figure out how to use the self-checkout. Now you're just, now you're just venting. Who is inventing? No, no, but who is inventing space travel? Elon Musk. Like what, what? What is step? But what is step? Like is Elon Musk an alien? I, well, I think the Wright brothers were aliens, and then once we got flight down, they got the ball rolling towards space travel. So do you think it's like science is just like kind of like a skyscraper that it's like one person discovers this, and then the person uses that technology to discover yeah. the next thing, and it kind of builds yeah. up on itself. First, it was Icarus. They flew too close to the sun, though. Bill, so I'm am I serious? I want you to take this seriously. We're an hour and twenty five minutes into this podcast. I'm not going to have a conversation. I know, with people you. can people can shut it off. I just I don't understand. Shut off. I need to go to the bathroom. But Bill, I don't, I don't know. I just answer this question. What is step one? Life. I just do you see what I'm saying though? Like what is step, step one, one to to inventing space to space invent flight? anything that that involves electricity? Uh, ben Franklin and his kite. All go right, birds. I'm done. I, I hope that. Do you understand yeah, but I don't want to explore that with you now. <laughs> we don't have to explore it now. I'm just saying, like, what what is the the first step of inventing something transcendent? And like, when I think about they live in like huts and are living off the land and making crops and killing animals for their food, that this person was able to visualize what electricity. Yeah, is. Yeah, we got struck in the ass by a lightning bolt and thought that was hot. <laughs> Let's try to bottle that. And now we can go to the moon. Mm-hmm. It's life, man. All right. Okay. Wrap this up. Thanks for listening to the three of you who are still <laughs> listening to this podcast. I actually think people like listening to this show. Yeah, maybe. I guess we'll find out. Um, Let us know if you liked the end of the podcast. Yeah. I'm sure they like the football stuff. The space talk. Uh, we'll see. Yeah. But yeah, let us know. Hit the hotline. What's your phone number? Four eight zero. All right. Thanks for listening to the four to six with A and B. Uh, we did not do a full mailbag, but we'll try to do that next time. And we're like three weeks, I think, from the start of spring practice, so that's like right around the corner as well. So we'll be gearing up for that and uh, keeping an eye on the hoops team making a, r- a run here at the Big Ten title as well. So thank you again for uh, being patient with us on this long episode where we rambled and talked about nonsense, including football. And we'll talk to you guys next time. Mm-hmm.